I'm so glad for Madison's sake that this week is blessed to the merciful. After, he, she's going to punch everyone in the face. Thanks, musicians. It's awesome. Well, it is week five of um, the Beatitude series. There's nine weeks altogether. And, um, and the whole reason why I really felt in God to do the Beatitudes series is because I just think there's so much more in God for you and for me that we just have not grasped yet. You know, like salvation is awesome, don't get me wrong, but there's so much more of God, yeah? Yes? Okay, there's so much more, and I don't know about you, but I want all that he has for me and for you, and, and as a pastor, that's what I want to see for your life. I want to see the fullness of everything that God has for you working and operating in your life, and so that's why we're doing the Beatitudes series. The problem is, is that the Beatitudes are hard. Yes? Anybody that says, oh, you're just a Christian because you need a crutch to get through life, has never read the Beatitudes. It's hard. It's really hard. And of all the Beatitudes, this one today to me is, for me personally, and I think for some of you, is the hardest. And I say this right at the start because... I feel like what God asks us to do with this one is not fair. I feel like what God expects of us with this beatitude is unfair. Because some of us have been majorly, majorly traumatized and wounded by people. And it's not our fault. We're just victims of people that are predators. And this beatitude to me is just like almost unfair of God to ask of us. But yet, when we understand every beatitude is actually for our benefit. But I'm not going to lie to you. As I put this message together this week, I struggled majorly. And um, it's been really a tough week. And I think that as I get into this, some of you are going to find it really tough also but I just want you to hang in there and lean in because remember, whatever God does is for our benefit, for our good, yeah? yeah. Amen? So, uh, Matthew 5, 7, this is the beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is... is defined as compassionate or kindly forbearance. Forbearance is the, the ability to uh, decide to put up with particular behaviors or particular ways that people do things, um, even when it doesn't deserve to be let go. It's an ability to let people off the hook, or it's, it's mercy is something that's shown towards an offender or an enemy, or, or a person that you, you have in your power to punish, but you decide not to. You decide to let them off for what they have done. That's what mercy talks about. In fact, mercy is, is not giving somebody what they deserve. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've lived life for 49 years so far, and there are some people that I don't think deserve to be shown mercy. A pedophile, for example, I don't think deserves to be shown mercy. I think they should be shot. No, just 
That's pretty harsh, but there are some people in your life that you've come across where you're like, man, they don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve to, to not be given what they deserve. And that's what mercy is. We talk about grace a lot in church, and, and grace is getting something that we don't deserve, but mercy is not being given something we do deserve. It is his, it's not the grace seat, it's the mercy seat of Christ that saves us from getting for what we do deserve. And mercy is an incredibly difficult thing. And if we're ever living in an unmerciful time, I believe it's now. You, all you have to do is go on and see the news or social media or whatever, and people are condemning each other, harassing each other, cancelling each other. Some people are even going out of their way to offend you on purpose with a little bit of a smile and pride in their heart that they've managed to attack you in the process. I think society today is the meanest I've ever experienced it in my lifetime. It's cruel, it's horrendous. And I think that's because of this statement here. We have become great judges of others' sins and great lawyers of our own. I think we've become incredibly great judges of what everybody else is doing wrong and great lawyers of defending our own behaviours. Are you with me today? The world's a bit nasty. And Jesus says that when you learn the art of mercy, you'll be showing mercy. For you to be showing mercy means that you have to be able to give mercy. And, and when we understand this, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be showing mercy. The, the thing about this whole beatitude and all of them, if we're really honest, is mercy is not for everyone else, it's for my sake. It's not for the sake of the offender, it's for the sake of me. Because if I am happy, blessed, are the merciful because they are showing mercy. If letting others, and letting others off the hook, the scripture teaches that you're actually letting yourself off the hook at the same time. There are two ways, that, there's probably multiple ways, but I'm just going to share two ways this morning that you can be a merciful person, and then we're going to look at four people that we need to show mercy to. And the first thing is the way that we can be merciful is remind ourselves how merciful God is to us. I think we've got to remind ourselves daily just how merciful God is towards us, just how kind He is towards us. Matthew 6, 12, in, in the, in the um, Lord's Prayer, it says this, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. In other words, he's saying this is how you've got to pray. Pray that, that I would forgive your debt as you forgive the debts that others have in your caliber. In this world, word debt here is not like a credit card debt. It's not like a, it's not like a, a bill. It's not like a, a power bill. It's not like that kind of a debt. The word debt here literally means bankruptcy. And, and bankruptcy is a bill you can't pay. You declare bankruptcy because there are unpayable bills. You can't pay the bill. It's, it's a bankruptcy. You can't pay it. It's unpayable because of how big it is. And so you declare bankruptcy. And really what the scripture is saying is forgive us our bankruptcy. Forgive us our unpayable debt as we forgive others 
their bankruptcy and their unpayable debt towards us. It's, it's a big ask because some of you have got massive debts that people have done against you. But what he's saying here is that Jesus paid our unpayable debt when he died on the cross. He's saying that it's a debt that you and I could not pay. We will never be able to pay it. So he had to send his son to pay it for us. And he is saying you need to forgive the unpayable debt that people owe you by being merciful so that I can show you mercy. I think it's a big ask of God. But when we remind ourselves of the debt that Jesus paid for us, when we remind ourselves daily that that His mercy towards us is so great, when we remind ourselves what unpayable debt He has paid for us, it should be able to help us and give us the capacity to forgive debts that are owed to us by others. See, the problem is if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. Have you ever apologized to somebody that you've hurt unintentionally or maybe intentionally? And you've gone and said, hey, I'm really, really sorry. Will you forgive me? And their response is, your sorry's not good enough. Have you ever had somebody do that? Don't, don't put your hand up. If you've had somebody do that, come on, there's a bunch of people more than that that have had that, where people go, your sorry's not good enough. You know why the sorry's not good enough? Because they want you to suffer. They want you to pay a price for the debt. And Jesus is saying here, he says, hey, 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 if you, if you think that you can earn my forgiveness by things that you do, then you'll expect others to earn their forgiveness of you by things that they do. And we just can't operate that way. I ask this question of myself, why are we so willing to receive it, but not so willing to give it? I don't know about you, but I'm more than happy to receive God's mercy. I'll take that every day of the week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We want to receive mercy, but we're not so willing to give it. And I think it's because we simply forget how good God has been to us. We simply forget that he paid a debt that we couldn't pay. And praise God that he did. Because otherwise you and I would be miserable. Look at this in Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, it says this, But God's mercy is so abundant... And his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved. If I could sum that all up into one sentence, it would be this. It's the forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. Because we have been forgiven much, we can forgive much. The forgiven Forgive. The second thing, way that we can be merciful is remember that we'll all face God one day. And people are excited about this message so far. (laughs) We're all going to face him one day and there'll be a final examination one day of your life where he's going to, one, 
Are you saved? Are you written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Awesome. But then he's going to also judge what you did with your life, how you operated. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We don't hear that scripture preached a lot in church, do we? Because none of us really like it. But the reality is this, is he's saying, hey, hey, I will show you mercy as you show mercy. But if you don't show mercy, then I won't show you mercy. I don't know about you, but I have a lot I need to be forgiven of. I can't afford to hold unforgiveness to others because I don't want God to not forgive me. And if you look all the way through Scripture, there's, there's one thing that angers God or angers Jesus more than anything else that I could see as I studied this week. And it's, it's when you receive something, you are not willing to give someone else. When you receive something freely that you're not willing to give someone else. I mean, I think Peter started the whole process in Matthew 8 where he thought he was quite clever and he said to God, hey, I know, he said to Jesus, I know I've got to forgive, I get that, but um, how many times per day? Like seven times? Is that like, you're awesome, Peter, seven times? And we know that, that Jesus' response to Peter was, oh, no, 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 not seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times a day, that person on each thing that they do against you. Not, not 490 things that they do that hurt you, that same thing 490 times. Do you realize that you would be forgiving somebody, that person in your life, you'd have to forgive them every three minutes to use up your 490 in a day? How many people offend somebody every three minutes? Anna Cooper, put down your hand. It's, in other words, he's saying, you can't not forgive people. You can never stop forgiving them. He goes on from Matthew 18 and tells a story of a king who calls in a man that owed him a great debt. And, and um, the debt in today's value is about $5 billion. And this man comes in, the king had every reason to throw him into prison, but the king decides to forgive him of that debt. The man leaves, incredibly grateful for the mercy of the king, but then the man leaves and he goes out and he finds somebody that owes him equivalent of today's money, $10,000. And he throws him into debtor's prison because he can't pay him. The king finds out that this man he's just forgiven the $5 billion debt of has now thrown into prison someone that owes him $10,000 worth of debt. And the king gets very, very angry because I showed you mercy, but you didn't show him mercy. And the scripture says this, that the man then was the king, found the man and he threw him in prison. Listen, this is what the scripture says, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we understand from Scripture that weeping a nation of teeth is equivalent to our association with hell. So Jesus is saying here, hey, hey, if I forgive you a great debt and you won't forgive others, I told you it wasn't a nice message. 
Matthew 18.33 says this, Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I've had mercy on you? James 2.13 puts it to a whole other level. So you must show mercy to others. Not you should, you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. In other words, somebody who is merciful can stand before God at the time of judgment without any worries or any concern or any fear about what's about to happen to them because blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. And I want to stand before God, and I'm sure you two too, where we say to him one day, I was forgiven much And I did my best to forgive others the same way. And here's the problem with this beatitude is that it goes completely against our culture. Because society today is trying to pit us against each other. Right now in this moment, society is getting us to argue, is getting us to take sides, is getting us to not show anyone mercy. And anybody that disagrees with me, we're not going to show them mercy. We're going to go online and we're going to say, don't buy from that business and don't buy a house from that person and don't do this and don't do that. There's no mercy being shown. And society is trying to get us to pit ourselves against each other. We may not always get it right here. Sometimes we miss it here. But I would say this, that I would always like to err on the side of mercy rather than judging people. I think that we want to be a people, we want to be a church, or we want to be individuals that let's stand before God Loving, having loved too much rather than having judged too harshly. Society doesn't want us to do this. The world is demanding that we not be this way, that we don't show mercy to those who don't deserve it, that we don't do that. But we're called to this. God has called us to be people of mercy. He's called us, it kind of shaped a little bit this week for me. It's like the ministry of mercy in a culture that wants to cancel. We're called to be a ministry of mercy into a culture that wants to cancel people, damage people, write people off. We're called to be agents of mercy, not just to one another, but to all of those around us. Micah 6.8 puts it this way, and what does the Lord require of you? The big question I get all the time, what does God want with my life? I'll tell you, here it is right here, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of me? Mercy. He requires mercy. The thought of us having a ministry of mercy really stirred me in my heart this week. And and I wanted to kind of find a scripture that would help you understand what it really, really looks like. And I I came to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 18, and, and it says this. It says, from now on, listen to these words. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. No, 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 we're not going to treat people like the world says we should treat them, even when we disagree with them, even when they've hurt us. We're not going to regard people from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. In other words, when we weren't with Christ, when we weren't Christians, when we were a follower of him, we disregarded him. We wrote him off, but we don't do that anymore because we have found our saviour. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation is a a, um, bookkeeping word. It's an accounting term. It means that the reconciling your accounts and bringing your accounts back to zero, it means to bring the balance back to zero. So there's no debt, it's, it's zero balance. Jesus brought our balance back to zero when he died on the cross and when we invited him to be our Lord and forgive us of our sins, he brought our balance back to zero. And now he's saying this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of bringing people's balance back to zero is now your ministry to bring people's balance back to zero. And he goes on and says that, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is why I think this beatitude is so hard and unfair because what he's saying to us is you can't hold somebody's sins against them. And I don't know about you, but if you've suffered major trauma in your life, especially something like abuse of some kind, I'm sorry, that's hard, God. That's a big ask. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we just let people off and just go, oh, all good. There's consequences to people's actions. And we need to tell people the truth. We do. But when we tell people the truth of what they've done, we want to point them to how they get free, not how they get condemned. We want to point them to what Christ has done to forgive them of what they've done, not let them know what they've done is inexcusable. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. It's tough, isn't it? So who are we called to show mercy to? The first people that we're called to show mercy to are those who make mistakes. Matthew 12, 17 to 20 says this, this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Listen to this. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. What he's saying here is a bruised reed. I don't know if you know anything about reeds, but when they bruise, usually you just snap them off because they don't recover too well. 
when I used to work uh, before I was pastor, and I worked for a company called Deutz, and we did German uh, diesel engines and all sorts of different applications. And, and one of the applications was uh, to run frost protection for vineyards um, when it would get really, really cold, and they'd spray water, and, and that water would stop it from freezing because it's circulating in the air and all that sort of stuff. And, and I can remember walking along with one of the, the um, vineyard managers and as I'm walking along, you see these, these vines, kind of branches on the ground. And there was these guys there picking them up, dusting them off, and then rewiring them back into the, into the vine. And those branches will probably, as the manager told me, they probably won't produce this year like the rest of them because it's been on the ground too long. But they didn't cut it off and throw it away. They just merged it back in so it can produce the following year. And, and this is kind of the picture I get is that God doesn't come along and go, well, they're, they're bruised or they're useless, so we just, we just snuff them out. No, no, no. He, he doesn't snuff anyone. He doesn't break anything off. He puts the reed back in and puts some stabilizer in and lets that reed heal. He doesn't snuff out a flickering ember. No, no, no. The Bible says that what he does is he doesn't come along and go, well, that's not producing much heat. That's not accomplishing much. I'll just snuff that out. No, no. The Bible says he comes along and he breathes upon it so that it comes back into flame. And this is what he is saying here. And then he says, finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. In other words, justice in the kingdom looks like this. Not people people paying the price for what they have done, but us showing mercy so God can show us mercy and that they can find his mercy in the process. We need to be known for what we are for more than known for what we're against. We're for people to find freedom. We're for people to find salvation. We're for people to find the forgiveness of their sins. We're for people, all of that stuff, not so much what we're against. James 2.13 says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. And and I'm telling you, in a world that is so judgy right now, I'm asking us, can can we try, including me, can we try to be this beatitude? Can we try to be blessed are the merciful? Can we try to be that in this world? The second type of people we're called to show mercy to are those that let us down. Those that let us down. I think we've all been let down in life at some stage, yeah? Luke 23, 34 says this, Jesus on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we have to understand that in this moment that he's saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Prior to this, Jesus has been denied, he's been betrayed, he's been accused, he's been rejected, he's been abused, he's been beaten, he's been humiliated, he's been whipped. And he, in this moment, models an attitude that changed all of our lives. And it's an attitude that he wants us to model. This is why we love him so much, why I love Jesus so much, is because in the middle of all that was wrong and all that was being done to him that was wrong, he didn't respond with justice, but he responded with mercy. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul says this in Colossians 
3, 12 to 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's the thing he's saying, we need to clothe ourselves with these things. In other words, these, these attitudes, these behaviors, these, these emotions or these um, intentions don't happen naturally. You don't walk along through life and all of a sudden become compassionate. You don't walk along and all of a sudden, you know, you've got humility and gentleness and patience. It just, I don't know about, there's nobody here that naturally develops patience. If, you've, if you're a parent of a child, patience is not developed naturally. It's persevered. Oh, you're not laughing with me today. That's okay. It's not going to happen naturally. It's saying here, hey, you need to clothe yourself with this daily. In other words, you need to intentionally decide every day to be compassionate, to have mercy. Why? Because it's a choice, not a feeling. I don't know about you, but there are some people in life where I don't feel like being merciful towards them. Am I the only one? Cool. I don't feel like being merciful towards him. But it's a choice, it's not a feeling. And then verse 13, it says this, bear with each other, and it's the same word as forbearance. Bear with each other. In other words, let them off the hook and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's the thing, he says, even if you have a grievance, he doesn't say that the grievance is invalid. In fact, some of you have grievances that are more than valid. You deserve to be aggrieved by what has been done to you. You're right to be aggrieved by what has been done with you. But the, but the Beatitudes are not about the receiver. The attitudes, Beatitudes are about the giver. For you are blessed. Not they're blessed when you show mercy, but you are blessed when you are merciful because mercy will be shown to you. It's not about the receiver of your forgiveness. It's about the giver of the forgiveness that gets the blessing. You can get mad or you can show mercy and sleep in peace instead of tossing and turning in your bed thinking about the injustice that has been done towards you. Now, I say that really, really easily, but I understand also that for some of you it is very, very hard. And as I've gone through this week preparing this, I have had multiple times in the office where it's like, hey, Craig, I um, think we need to re revisit this offense that that person did to you. No, nope, we don't need to revisit that. I'm pretty sure I dealt with that about four or five years ago. I don't think you did. No, nah, I'm pretty sure I did. There's a conversation between me and God. It's like, you know what? I, you know what, God? I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to get it all right. I don't have it all together. I'm not the greatest at forgiving on occasions. Everyone knows. I'm not afraid to admit it. So therefore, just leave it alone. <laughs> and there's been multiple times this week where it's like, but I'm so angry about that. And I felt like God say to me, well, do you want to be mad? Or do you want to show mercy and then sleep in peace? Max Licardo said this. He said, 
Unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse. But the worst part of all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that is left. Let me say that again because I feel like it's such a great, well, it's, so it's a great statement. It's, it's horrible to get your head around here. But it's true. Unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse. But the worst part of all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that is left. Third thing is we need to show mercy to those that are far from God. Jesus always connected with people before he corrected them. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, all the religious people of the day criticized him for hanging out with the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. But every time Jesus hung out with them, they had encounters that changed their lives. But he didn't just go in and start telling them everything that they're doing wrong. He had a meal with them first, and through that connection, he brought about a correction. And one of those stories is here in Matthew 9, 10 to 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, who was a tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And then he says this, and I haven't got to the bottom of this, but he gives them an instruction. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He says, you, you guys need to go away and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God picks someone who shows mercy over somebody who makes a sacrifice. I desire mercy. I don't 100% got my head around what that means, but I challenge you this week, why don't you go on a journey and find out what it means that he desires mercy more than sacrifice, but he didn't hold the sins of the sinners against you. He didn't hold against those that were far from God. He didn't show them any less love or any less care or any less mercy than anyone else. And then the last thing is I get Cullum to jump on the keys. The last thing is you need to show mercy to yourself. I think in all my time of being in church and pastoring, I think the area where we're worse, most worse at mercy is when it comes to ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We put ourselves down. We don't show ourselves any kind of mercy. I can guarantee you now that some of the singers that were on the stage today are constantly thinking about the way that maybe there were some mistakes made during the singing of the song, and they're not going to show themselves much mercy. And I would say to every single singer that was on the stage, give yourself a break. It doesn't matter. Nobody died. We still worship Jesus. Yeah. And anybody that criticizes you, hand them a mic and tell them to get up on the stage and try it. Show mercy. I'm glad that we still have. I don't want professionalism up here. I want worship. And if that means we make mistakes and we're not perfect, I don't care. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for pursuit. Show mercy to yourself. Forgive yourself. Listen to what 
David said in Psalm 38, verse 4 to 8, he says, I am drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden too heavy to bear because I have been foolish. I'm utterly worn out and crushed and my heart is troubled. In other words, he's saying, I've so disappointed God. I've so let God down. I've so, my life is such a mess. I shouldn't be this way. Here's the thing. Disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. Your expectation of how you think that you can live this life is so far from reality that you get disappointed with it. I know it's hard to believe, but I am not the perfect husband. My expectation is that I'm the perfect husband, but the reality is not always. And and if I'm honest with you, I've been battling through some stuff basically around this for, for a couple of weeks, just trying to forgive some stuff that has gone on. And I've kind of checked out at home as far as being helpful. My poor wife turned around and reminded me that this is a partnership. And I might be going through stuff, but I don't get to check out. And she got a bit grumpy because she's sick of doing everything and not being helped much. And she has a right to be. But we don't get to beat ourselves up. Show yourself some mercy. And in in this scenario here, just like I was at home, is that I was disappointed in myself. She was disappointed. Why? Because the expectation didn't match the reality. When it comes to your walk with God, can you just try and be realistic? We are all fallen people. We all have weaknesses. We all have faults. None of us are perfect. We're on a journey to be more and more like Him, but you aren't like Him yet. We're all on that journey. We're pursuing righteousness, but sometimes we're not going to be righteous. Show yourself some mercy. Don't be like David and just wallow in what is going on. 1 Timothy 1, 13 to 15 says this, and this is Paul talking, who was the worst of the worst. This guy went around killing Christians left, right, and center. In fact, he was there at the stoning of Stephen because they said that they put, folded and put the clothes of Stephen at Paul's feet. I mean, he was the worst. And he says this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was showing mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief and the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. And here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Here's a trustworthy saying that that requires full acceptance. He came into the world to save you. He came into the world to save me. He came into the world knowing all of our rubbish and all of our crap and all of our sin and all of our stuff. And He still came and died for you and me. He's not afraid of our sin. He's not upset by our sin. What He wants is you to respond to Him and and, and go, you know what, God, have mercy on me as I have mercy on others. Forgive me as I forgive others. 
Show me the mer- as I'm merciful. Be merciful to me. Show yourself some mercy. He didn't come into the world to make you sorry. He came into the world to set you free. Free from sin and death and all the stuff around you. And you know what? The same God that came into the world not to make you sorry and set you free is the same God that came into the world not to make everybody else in your world sorry, but to set them free also. And in you showing mercy, you'll be showing mercy But in them receiving mercy, it'll point them to the merciful one. His name is Jesus. He wants you in freedom, not in sin, not in guilt, but in freedom. And I believe, hopefully, today and tomorrow, for the rest of this week and the rest of your life, God is going to show you and help you show mercy to yourself so that you can leave here today as a minister of mercy. You see, I don't believe that you can show mercy to others until you allow mercy to yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you're constantly judging yourself, critiquing yourself, pulling yourself down, then you are going to do the same to your neighbor. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. And mercy starts with yourself. So then it can start with those around you. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment in this place. And if you're online as well, you can close your eyes too if you want to. But here's the thing. This is not easy. What God is asking of us in this beatitude is to let go of debt that's owed to us. And some of it is huge. And I almost feel like I don't have the right to say this. I don't have the right to preach a message like this because I struggle with this as much as anybody. I don't feel like, I feel like Jesus could ask you to show mercy to those who have been perpetrators towards you. But I don't feel like I can. But yet the scripture says you need to be merciful so that I can show you mercy. And maybe, maybe the struggle, the pain, the lack of healing that you've experienced in your life is because God wants to pour out His mercy upon you. But until you pour out your mercy, you're really going to be stuck in this whirlwind where you're just going around and around in circles. And the way to break out of that is to start to show mercy to yourself and then show mercy to those around you. And if you're here today and you're like, Craig, I don't know if I can do this. And you know what? That's been my prayer this week. God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can show mercy to that person. I 
but can you help me? Can you help if there's a possibility that I can be merciful in this situation? Can you help me? Can you show me? Can you do that for me? And even during the worship this morning, I was just saying to God, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me because I know my faults and I know my failings and I know the stuff that I do. And God, I have mercy to myself so that I can give mercy to others. If you're here today when no one's looking around and you're like, Craig, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can be merciful, but I'd love you to pray for me that that I want to give it a try. With God's help, I want to try to be a merciful person because I need His mercy in my life. If that's you here today, and, 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 and while no one's looking around and you're like, Craig, would you pray? Would you pray for me? Because I want to be a merciful person. I need God's help to do that. Why don't you lift your hand up across this place? If that's you right now, and you're like, man, would you pray that I could become a merciful person? We live in a world that wants to pit us against each other. We need to become a people that show mercy to one another. Father, we thank you right now for every single hand that has been lifted in this place. Lord, we don't deny, we don't diminish, we don't belittle the pain that has been caused. But what we do say is, God, if your word says, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. If this is an attitude that you want me to live with, would you help every single person that raised their hand, every single person that is in this building right now, would you help us to become people of mercy, that we'll become ministers of mercy in a world that wants to divide us, in a world that wants to cancel us, in a world that wants to cause destruction? Would we become the mercy and as we show mercy, that you would show mercy to us, but in the process of showing that mercy to others, that they would find Christ's mercy in their own lives, they would find the forgiveness of their sin, that they would find healing from their, from their Father in heaven. Lord, that you would bring healing to our lives as well, that as we show mercy, God, that the mercy of God would flood through our lives in such a way that every wound, every traumatic experience would find the soothing presence of the healing of God upon our lives. And would you help us to show mercy to ourselves first? Lord, that we would learn to be merciful to ourselves. Father, we pray Let us become ministers of mercy, agents of mercy in our workplaces, in our schools, in our supermarkets, even on the motorway, that we'll be people of mercy. And that as we show mercy and you show us mercy, that actually it will always point people to Jesus the merciful one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for coming today. I I know that this is a really hard message for some of us that have gone through major trauma in our lives, and I don't belittle that, and I don't minimize that. And don't feel like you have to be perfect, because you don't. We're all on a journey. We're We're all walking through things. And 
Whether I think this is fair for some of you or not, like I said at the start of the message, the thing is, is, is God says, happy, blessed are the merciful. And I don't know about you, but I want to be happy and I want to be blessed. I want you to be happy and I want you to be blessed. And the Bible says that the way to do that is to show mercy. So I encourage you this week, as hard as it may be and as difficult as it may be, would you start the journey of being merciful towards those that owe you a great debt, keeping in mind the mercy that God showed you for your unpayable debt. I think if we keep that in mind, it makes it easier. If we forget what Christ has done for us, it makes it very, very difficult to forgive those that have hurt us. God bless you so much. We'll see you all next week. We'd love for you to hang out and have tea and coffee and get to know us. But why don't you have a fantastic week this week experiencing the mercy of God as you show mercy to those around you. God bless.